It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got bad, bad, and bad martinis. No, your podcast didn't stutter. And I didn't stutter either. They're all bad today. And they're not even close to anything other than bad across the board. Jim, it was just July 15th. Two weeks ago tomorrow, <laughs> that our first headline on the Three Martini Lunch was Mansion Berries BBB. And that was because he said he needed to see what the inflation numbers were going to be for July before he was going to do anything. And based on what they were for June, it seemed highly unlikely that anything was going to get done. So did Joe Manchin stick around to see what the July inflation numbers would look like? No. No, no, he didn't. Uh, but nonetheless, um, through a sleight of hand from Chuck Schumer, and the Republicans looking pretty darn silly here, the GOP has lost its leverage on a much smaller version of Build Back Better. But nonetheless, the uh, just Orwellian-named Inflation Reduction Act is probably headed to the floor and will probably pass under reconciliation rules, assuming all the Democrats are on board. Uh, and your colleague Caroline Downey writes this, and you mentioned this in the morning jolt. While $369 billion of the plan would be allocated to energy and climate initiatives, $64 billion would go to extending expiring federal subsidies for people buying health insurance. Included in the package revealed Wednesday, however, is a 15% corporate minimum tax, uh, which Schumer and Manchin claimed will curb the skyrocketing size of the federal debt. By collecting, get this, Jim, $739 billion over 10 years. The way that the Republicans got rolled here, Jim, is that they had told Chuck Schumer, we're not going to uh, uh, do anything on this CHIPS bill, which is basically a bailout for big tech, unless you promise not to move on reconciliation. I don't know what led Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to believe that uh, Build Back Better and reconciliation was totally dead, but they voted for the CHIPS bill which was bad anyway, so I'm not sure why they supported it. And now they've got no leverage left to stop the Democrats on this. Uh, that was a fairly decent summation, but uh, whenever we get into these types of situations, I like to defer to the colloquialisms of Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. The timing of the Senator Manchin deal I don't think was any accident. What do you mean? The, well, the Democrats had uh, some of my colleagues in the Senate uh, agreed to support the 400 or 390 or 290, whatever it was. I can't count that high. 280. Uh, subsidy to big tech. Okay? And so uh, they couldn't have passed that bill without Republican votes. So the Democrats, well, basically, they, they, my, my, they sucked my Republican votes up like a Hoover Deluxe and then got their votes and then, bam, announced this new tax increase. Double cross. Uh, I don't think, there, there aren't very many coincidences here on Capitol Hill. I think that the timing was exquisite. We look, we look like a bunch of, well, I'm not going to say what we look like. 
Jim, this reminds me of the scene in Die Hard where uh, the FBI had promised helicopters and then they were talking about a double cross. Tell me about it. I was going to say, your listeners, you're about to hear a phrase on this podcast you don't hear very often. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell got rolled. Uh, He got taken to the cleaners on this one. And that is not something that usually happens to the usually shrewd and discerning and cautious McConnell. Uh, But this ultimately comes down to Joe Manchin, who pretty clearly does not mean what he says, or maybe he means it at the exact moment that he says it, but he can go to sleep and wake up the next morning and be in a very different mood and uh, you know conclude something different. Indeed, because he said that it was the July inflation numbers would be very important for him. Those numbers do not come out until August 10th. So it's not like Manchin has seen them or, or he got that piece of information that he had previously stated would be central to his decision. Uh, and for what it's worth, I mean, obviously, there are economists who look at the numbers that they have so far, look at what they see in the economy and attempt to project them. And unsurprisingly, everybody thinks you know, one projection had it at 9.2 percent, which would be a little bit above last month's 9.1. Uh, Kiplinger says it's going to stay around 9 percent for the rest of the year. Nobody's expecting the July number to be something fantastic, uh, some dramatic reduction or anything like that. So this was always a fig leaf. This was always uh, a bit of kabuki theater. I think it's safe to say a lot. I mean, my colleague Charlie Cook had written something around the middle of a month that looks really prescient in which he said, don't go wobbly, Joe, meaning, you know, to Joe Manchin. He's pointing out that Joe Manchin kept saying the reason he didn't want to go along with this was because inflation was so bad, he could not justify another giant spending bill, even if it had tax increases, because he felt those tax increases would also be harmful for the economy. Well, here we are, and Joe Manchin has signed on to precisely the kind of legislation that he sounded like he opposed an entire two weeks ago. Has this been in the works the whole time? Was this a sort of rope-a-dope? Was this some sort of effort? Was he always closer to Schumer and reaching an agreement than he let on? I don't know. Uh, if you're looking for a silver lining in this dark cloud, and it's pretty darn dark, um, it's that, you know, Kirsten Cinema has not signed on, so there's always a possibility that she rejects it. I do think that if she single-handedly blocked this uh, smaller version of Build Back Better, and no, I'm not calling it the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, <laughs> I'm not going along with that ridiculous, uh, you know, misnomer, um, that if she didn't go on with this, I think that would pretty much end her guarantee she would not get reelected. She'd be known as the woman, who, the senator who had uh, tanked the, the Biden agenda, um, which I think even, you know, I think there's just no way she'd win her primary in Arizona, even if it's a couple of years down the road. Uh, and then, you know, just beyond that, I, I suppose it's possible the House Democrats get into some sort of infighting over the state and local tax deduction or something like that and can't reach 218 votes or a majority. But I really wouldn't count on that. I, I think that Democrats realize this is their last opportunity before the midterms. And I also suspect that maybe Joe Manchin looked at this said that, okay, starting in January 2023, there's probably not going to be a 50-50 Senate anymore. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but, you know, the possibility of a 52-48 in either direction is a plausible scenario. And then in that scenario, Joe Manchin doesn't matter as much anymore. So maybe he saw this as his moment of maximum leverage. Either way, everybody who saw Joe Manchin as the last line of defense uh, preventing another crazy big spending bill while the country is going through an inflation crisis uh now you know joe manchin has abandoned that position it'll be interesting to see if progressives give him any credit i don't know if they will but uh he woke up on a different side of the bed and uh, i think even 
former Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy is like, whoa, man, that's really inconsistent. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of things here. He'll argue that he talked it down from three plus trillion, which was really more like five or six, down to half a trillion. But the problem here is is in a couple of ways, Jim. First of all, it's going towards terrible ideas. Most of it's going towards climate initiatives and energy. Uh, I read that their goal now is to reduce emissions by 40% by the year 2030. Jim, as we've always talked about with uh, energy prices, it's not what's happening right now. It's what they think is going to happen in the offing. And when they're clamping down more and more and more on what is likely to be allowable in the future, guess what those prices are going to do in the near future? If this passes, my guess is they're going to start ticking back up. And secondly, this 15% corporate minimum tax, uh, this is in there because of those businesses that you know find ways to write off reinvesting in the company and, and infrastructure and that sort of thing. And so the liberals come out and go, they didn't pay any taxes. Um, well, for those companies now that have to pay this 15 minimum tax, guess who's going to end up paying for that? <laughs> the Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to be higher prices on all of us. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the heart of this bill is the belief that corporations will not, will pay more in taxes and not pass on any of the costs of that to their consumers. I don't know if that's ever happened <laughs> in the history of taxation. But uh, to the Democrats, don't worry. The inflation, we're going to increase prices. We're going to increase taxes on corporations. But don't worry, there's no way that'll raise prices. That is their messaging right now. Yeah, they live in fantasy land. Well, Jim, that is certainly a horrific piece of legislation now on the brink of passage. Net choice uh, would like to alert you to another. Uh, first of all, our country is being rocked by soaring inflation, lackluster leadership apparently on both sides of the aisle, and chaos on the world stage. Americans need their legislators to focus on the issues that actually matter and ease the economic pain we're all feeling. Instead, senators like Amy Klobuchar are pushing a big government takeover of America's tech industry through progressive regulations that would worsen inflation and make important digital services like Amazon Prime more expensive and harder to use. Conservatives must block progressive pet projects that will raise prices and undermine our world's standing. These lawmakers need to keep American innovation the best in the world. NetChoice wants you to join it in telling Congress to stop rising prices and reject progressive tech regulations like Senate Resolution 2992. Learn more about this fight and send a letter to your representatives at netchoice.org slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. All right, Jim, on to our second bad martini now. And I think most Americans would agree that um, being busted for pot, which is illegal in Russia, uh, is probably not worthy of the uh, time behind bars that WNBA player uh, Brittany Griner is dealing with right now. So the Biden administration is trying to uh, work on this. But I don't know what happened, Jim, with Joe Biden and the Obama administration, but um, these guys really are horrible at, uh, at prisoner swaps. We don't have a prisoner swap yet, but the Daily Wire has the details on what the Biden administration is offering here. President Joe Biden has reportedly offered to exchange notorious Russian weapons trafficker Victor Bout. In exchange for the release of WNBA player Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, uh, CNN reported that several sources inside the administration said that the proposal received Biden's backing after he was briefed on the matter. 
quote, we communicated a substantial offer that we believe could be successful based on a history of conversations with the Russians, a senior administration official told CNN. We communicated that a number of weeks ago in June. Bout, who is often referred to as the merchant of death, is a notorious arms trafficker who inspired the 2005 Nicolas Cage movie Lord of War. Bout was convicted on terrorism charges back in 2011 for trying to sell tens of millions of dollars worth of missiles to the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, better known as FARC, for the purpose of shooting down U.S. military helicopters. Attorney General Eric Holder back then, today one of the world's most prolific arms dealers, is being held accountable for his sordid past. Jim, um, I don't think this is quite as bad as the uh, five Al-Qaeda figures for Bo Bergdahl, but it's not exactly uh, an even trade here. Uh, once again, we seem to be negotiating from a position of weakness to get our people home, and we're uh, apparently on the brink of letting a really dangerous person out of prison uh, that's going to make us the loser in this negotiation, too. Greg, I, this might be one of the rare times I will disagree with you on this podcast. And I'll make the observation that I think maybe it is as bad because Victor Bout, look, first of all, if you've ever seen a sleazy Russian arms dealer in any type of Hollywood movie, the inspiration was probably Victor Bout. He is the epitome of this sort of thing. And pretty much since the uh, Berlin Wall came down, he basically realized that there was a heck of a lot of weapons out there in the former Eastern European countries and lots of buyers around the world. And Douglas Farah uh, wrote a biography of him and basically he, he's arguing in favor of the trade. I think the trade is a terrible idea and I'll explain a bit more why in a second, but I'll give Farah great credit. He does not soft pedal what Victor Bout's life's work has amounted to. And I'll just quote briefly here. Bout provided tons of guns and ammunition to some of the most vicious warlords in the world and empowered them to carry out unspeakable atrocities. He is responsible for enabling murderous groups to kidnap and train thousands of child soldiers, use rape as a systematic method of terror and control, torture through the mass amputations of arms, ears, legs, and lips, slaughtering civilians and helping the Taliban take power in Afghanistan. Then he goes on, there are no words to describe the human toll of Bout's activities on thousands of people, from the armless child amputees in refugee camps to the scorched rural hamlets burned to the ground by marauding children who were traumatized into killing their own families. Victor Bout has a demon's resume. And this is, you know, this is probably, this, you know, arguably, if not the most evil person in the world, then perhaps the most shamelessly amoral person in the world who enabled some of the worst crimes of the past few decades before he was finally brought to justice. And Joe Biden is about to let this guy walk to get back to Americans. Now, look, do I want to get uh, Americans back from hostile regimes like Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan? Absolutely. No doubt about it. However, look, Greiner got arrested right around when Russia was invading Ukraine. It was always transparent that that's what this arrest was all about. Did she enable it by bringing a, uh, a marijuana pr product into the country? Yeah. Uh, did she, was that bad judgment on her part? Sure. Should she have known the risks of doing this while being in Russia? Yeah, I think the problem is there have always been Americans who have been, uh, from where I sit, jaw-droppingly naive about the nature of certain of these regimes and the risk of being 
detained on some nonsense trumped up charge so they can be used as a bargaining chip. And that is exactly what is happening here. By the way, if you're wondering why the Russian government wants Victor about released, um, and for what it's worth, I should point out that uh, Douglas Ferris says that if he's released, Bout is not going to go back to his old tricks because he doesn't have the contacts anymore. He doesn't have the connections. He's an older man. He's probably just going to you know, live quietly in Russia. And maybe that's the case. Having said that, uh, into Russia, he is a political prisoner. They believe he's innocent. This is basically Russian nationalism at work. He's one of our guys. And you know, none of what the arms deals he made were really all that harmful to Russia. So if Russia didn't support his lucrative arms sales around the world, they certainly never had that much of a problem with it. And they've always believed that, oh, you know, Bout is a scapegoat for American arms dealing and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So that's it. He became something of a, a celebrity cause in, in Russian circles or certain Russian circles. Um, that's why they're getting it. But also they know this is, you know, a humiliation for the U.S. We put so much effort into bringing this guy to justice, put him into jail, gets a 25-year sentence, and now we're going to have to let him out early because they del- did, took two of our folks. The problem here is you are paying the Dane Geld. And if you're not familiar with the, you know, the, the Rudyard Kipling speech, basically this is negotiating with terrorists. This is giving somebody what they want in order for your hostages, which only enables them and encourages them to do more of this down the road. Yeah, you can get a happy ending for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, but you're going to get more Americans abducted or uh, you know detained around the world and used as bargaining chips. You are telling the Russian this, Russians this work. You are telling Vladimir Putin this is a good way to get leverage over us. This is going to blow up in our face metaphorically and hopefully not literally. Uh, but it is just an absolutely horrible decision making by the Biden administration here. Jim, I stand corrected. I had not uh, read as many um, background pieces on Victor Bout as you had. I was mainly going off this Daily Wire piece, and I'd seen it in a couple other places as well. So I knew about the FARC situation. I didn't know uh, as much as he had done in some other places. So you are absolutely right. Uh, the disparity in what we're uh, giving up here is is stunning, and I, I don't get it. I mean, uh, between the Obama administration and this administration, it's crazy. Find a way to, uh, to bargain oh, from I'll, a position of strength. I'll explain you, Greg. Uh, well, basically, uh, uh, you know, LeBron James started complaining. Um, other people started complaining the administration wasn't doing enough to get Griner out. And I think this is making the Biden administration desperate. The American people don't hear about these kinds of stories about Americans being detained by hostile regimes around the globe all that often. But sometimes it does get a high profile like this one, and then it becomes a bigger problem for the administration. Yeah, absolutely right. It's insane. I hope this wasn't their first offer, Jim. I at this point, I'm not sure it wasn't. But I mean, this is this is insanity. We want our, our people home, but uh, to give away one of the worst people on earth is is insane. So thank you for correcting the record on that. CPAC Chairman Matt Schlapp explains why firing Nancy Pelosi and winning the midterms needs to be our white-hot focus, or 2024 might not even matter. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, Matt and I also discuss how a small number of leftists are ruining our corporations and institutions and why conservative ideas are better because they work and they make us happy. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. 
You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com martini. That's 4patriots.com martini. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Jim. On to our third bad martini now. And this one focuses on conservatives primarily, but I guess the American public in general. Uh, new numbers from Gallup on how people see the importance of marriage if people have children together. Now, once upon a time, of course, you were supposed to be married before you had children. Uh, that seems to work out pretty well. In fact, I believe that's one of the themes of uh, heavy lifting, uh, written by one Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards as well. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Gallup numbers over time showing that Americans more and more don't see this as important. Fewer U.S. adults now believe in past years that it is, quote unquote, very important for couples who have children together to be married. Currently, 29% say it is very important that such a couple legally marry, down from 38% who held this view in 2013 and 49% in 2006. So that number's been unhealthy for a long time. 31% thinks it's somewhat important and 40% think it's uh, not too important or not important at all. And you're thinking, oh, it's the lefties dragging this down. No, no. Since 2006, conservatives, or at least self-identifying conservatives, uh, back in 2006, 62% of conservatives believed that if you had children together, it's important to be married. By 2013, it was down to 55%, and now, Jim, it's at 41%. And so, Jim, I think all of us know about specific situations, maybe several different situations, where uh, the, the parents of a, of a given child being married might not be a great idea, particularly if it's a surprise pregnancy and so forth. So might not be a good idea in every situation, but the societal goal should certainly be that uh, loving married people are raising kids and setting the example and expectation for those kids on what they should be planning uh, and trying to do when they become adults. So, uh, Jim, uh, for conservatives to be this far uh, down and below 50 percent, I mean, this is a fundamental part of society here. I'm not sure what we're conserving anymore. You know, I am 
thinking of uh, the experience when Sarah Palin was selected as the running mate for John McCain. And shortly after her news of her selection, we learned that Bristol Palin, her daughter, was pregnant and that the father was the eventually infamous figure Levi Johnston. But most Republicans who were, were seen as part of the moral majority, the Christian right, et cetera, didn't react with, with any degree of scorn or you know that much public outrage or anything like that. In fact, most people, I remember both at the time, because I remember being at the Republican convention at the time. And I think, God, it might've been the infamous John Weaver. Uh, boy, life, life, you know, sent some twists and turns at you. But John Weaver had asked a whole bunch of us, how many of us knew someone who had someone, a child out of wedlock uh, brought a child into the world into less than ideal circumstances, and almost everyone's hand came up. And you know, they said, yeah, "How many of you had it in your family?" And almost every hand stayed up. People, when they find you know, when you see a circumstance like that, people, someone gets pregnant out of wedlock. A lot of people, having seen the scorn, the the you know uh, the, the societal ostracization. Uh, all, all that kind of stuff. And they recognize that didn't do that much good. That did not necessarily help someone who was already in a desperate situation. And people, and many of these people are pro-life. Many of these people do not want to encourage people to have an abortion. Therefore, their attitude is, okay, look, you've ended up pregnant. You're bringing a child into this world into less than ideal circumstances. It wasn't the way you planned, but we want to support you. The last thing you want to do is we want to wag our finger at you and say, just, just. I think that's a, a well-meaning impulse, and I don't think that necessarily the problem with this world is we ha don't have enough scorn. I do think, however, that, that eventually that uh, attitude does filter into people to recognize, oh, okay, well, you know, it's not ideal, but we can deal with it, and that kind of happens. Um, I think it's safe to say, you know, that uh, the Palin family has dealt with its own degree of challenges, and that Levi Johnston, who was, you know, last seen running books and writing, trashing the Palins and all kinds of stuff like that. But things have not turned out well. Uh, I hope that child is turning out hunky-dory and, and life is good for the Palin family. But I think that's a indicator that when you are not committed in marriage, uh, it makes it tougher, it makes it easier for somebody to walk out that door, it makes it easier for somebody to say, ah, you know, I just don't want to deal with this anymore and uh, kind of stuff. And, you know, you end up with a, um, you know, hopefully not a deadbeat dad, but you end up with two, you know, two parents who are, uh, you know, living separately, not connected, not under the same roof, not going through the trials and tribulations of life together. And we just have a mountain of social data that indicates, look, parents who kids who have parents who are married to each other and living in the same place, then, you know, life, they end up having better outcomes. It's better for them. It's a more stable environment. Even if you're fighting sometimes, even if your marriage isn't perfect, even if you have problems, look, every family has problems. But, you know, part of being a family is figuring out how to get through those kinds of problems. So it is unnerving to see conservatives kind of losing faith in that or, or losing, de-emphasizing that, not believing that, maybe not willing to stand up for that the way they used to. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be sympathetic and helpful to people who have ended up in this unexpected situation. But I do feel like there's been this erosion of this idea that look, if you finish your education, go out into the workforce, date someone, marry someone, then have children, your odds of being in poverty are very, very low. Your odds of having all kinds of problems in your life are much lower than if you do them in a very different order. So, you know, I don't, I don't wanna be up on a soapbox here, but the evidence is just piled up higher and higher. All the denial of the world isn't gonna change that.
No, you're exactly right. And uh, folks have said it for years and years and years. Uh, the number one factor in a child not growing up in poverty is growing up uh, in a two-parent home and presumably married. But if you look at the demographics in this uh, Gallup survey, Jim, nobody is at 50 percent or better. Uh, the Democrats are at 18 percent who think that that's important. Republicans only at 36 percent. Independents at 29. People who are married, only 33 percent. People who attend church weekly, down to 45%. So uh, this is just a, a cultural shift where, over time, people have just bought into this. And like you said, uh, in certain cases, it might be necessary, but it certainly shouldn't be the societal ideal. But I think we're here, and now everybody just thinks it's normal. And now we live with the consequences, Greg. Indeed. Indeed. And that's why people expect more and more and more from the government. All right, Jim, on that note... Let's really hope we get a good martini tomorrow because that would be that would be very sad if we didn't have a good martini to close out the week. But I will talk to you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Uh, thanks very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. They're a huge help to us. Also, remember, you can get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday and join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. President Donald Trump joins me to discuss his brand new defamation suit against CNN and react to reports that the Justice Department is investigating him over January 6th. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, President Trump will also discuss the FBI covering up for Hunter Biden, his disgust with former Attorney General Bill Barr, and the deliberate failure of Biden at the border on energy policy and much, much more. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. How much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Our Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.